Welcome everyone to episode three of the Texocity series. My name is Donna and I am your host. Today's episode, we are deep diving into the folk tale that is Joseph Douglas Ball, aka Alligator Man, aka the Bluebeard of South Texas, aka the Butcher of Elmendorf, Texas. I really didn't know about Alligator Man until I came to San Antonio. Um, everyone knows my husband G, he is from Floresville, so I guess that was kind of like their folk tale. Who knows if this is a folk tale or not? This happened late 1800s, early 1900s. None of us were born, so who the fuck knows? And all that were born are dead. So let's get into his childhood and his upbringing. Joseph Joe Douglas Ball was born January 5th, 1896 to Elizabeth Lawler Ball and Frank X Ball. Joe Ball was one of eight children, and it is said that the Ball family was very prominent as his father, Frank X Ball, built the first cotton gin in Elmendorf and took his substantial earnings and invested heavily in real estate. Now that just gets me thinking, if you drive down to 81, like you're going down to Corpus Christi, to Rockport, um, the valley, you know, all that area down there. When you look to your right, there's like all these fields and there's a white, big white house. I'm assuming that's probably theirs because I think it's in Elmendorf. How big is Elmendorf? I don't know. It might not be that big. Now I'm convinced that it probably is. So Joe Ball was the great-great-grandson of John Hart Crenshaw, the notorious illegal slave trader, kidnapper, and illegal slave breeder in Gallatin County, Illinois. It is said that Joe Ball was a bit of a loner growing up. He wasn't into group activities very much and preferred more solitary pastimes like hiking, fishing in the wilderness alone. He was really uninterested in spending any time with his siblings and other children even. Signs of a serial killer. He loved guns checkmark that sign off and was said to be an excellent marksman capable of shooting quote a bird off a telephone line with a pistol from the bumper of his model a ford unquote according to his nephew bucky ball in a 2002 interview with a uh, texas monthly as joe became an adult he worked for his father running some of the family businesses joe ball was an educated man, obtaining his degree from the University of Texas in Austin, Texas. Many expected to follow his father into the family business, but as the United States entered World War I on April 6, 1917, Joe Ball became the first citizen of Elmendorf to enlist. Joe Ball was soon sent to Europe and served two years until he received an honorable discharge in 1919. When Joe Ball returned to Elmendorf, he became a bootlegger and and ran whiskey and beer to all Elmendorf and most of southeastern Bear County. He would sell his illegal libations from a 50-gallon barrel in the back of his Model A. In April 21, on April 21st, 1921, he married Clara Christina Wayne, but the marriage didn't last long. During his whiskey and beer ring, Joe Ball hired off and on a young black man named Clifton Wheeler to help around the house and the business. Clifton was a handyman, so he did a lot of Joe Ball's manual labor and dirty work. It is said that Clifton feared Joe as Joe would shoot at Wheeler's feet to make him dance the jitterbug. How fucked up shit is that? <laughs> 
He's like, dance, motherfucker, dance. And he's like, no, I don't want to. Fuck you. During the time of his whiskey and beer ring, Prohibition was still going on. So when Prohibition ended in 1933, Joe Ball decided to take some of the money he had made bootlegging and built the sociable inn in Elmendorf. He built the saloon so people could drink, dance, and gamble on card games for hours. It was a lively saloon with the prettiest waitresses, most were gone as quickly as they came, and free-flowing whiskey. In the back of the saloon were two bedrooms and up front was the bar, a player piano, and a room with tables. The saloon also had a large cement pool in the back with a 10-foot high fence. The fuck you doing there, huh? the fuck you need a pool for? 10 feet? Hmm, hmm, hmm. Why the fence? Joe Ball would even host cockfights. Since his saloon was booming, Joe Ball decided it would be a good idea to go to the nearby low water areas and catch five alligators. One large alligator and four smaller ones. No one knew if it was the love for alligators or if he just knew how to keep customers coming back to his saloon. Quote, it was common knowledge that every Saturday night, a drunken orgy occurred. Any wild animal, possum, cat, dog, or any other animal without an owner helped make a show a little better. Get drunk, throw an animal in, and watch the alligators, unquote. So this statement makes my head go in a million places because at first you're like orgies animals so this should bestiality like with some you know a donkey show going on type of shit with these animals because that's fucking weird and i'm not too sure (laughs) why that was a thing or why that was just something that was entertaining for people to watch so joe ball's roadside zoo eventually drew lots of customers in especially on saturday night it's those orgies when everyone would get drunk and joe would throw several stray animals into the alligator pit let's get into these fucking murders because there's a reason he's called alligator man so as mentioned earlier joe ball's saloon was a revolving door of the prettiest waitresses it was during the depression and everyone fell on hard times so women would come through elmendorf looking for work some would stay while others disappeared without a trace one woman in particular was named minnie may gotthart nicknamed big minnie big minnie was a 25 year old from seguin and big minnie was quote a bossy displeading and obnoxious person unquote but joe ball was like oh yeah baby i want you so big minnie eventually ran the bar with joe and clifton and had no fear of drunks she just seemed like a boss ass bitch she was like i'm gonna manhandle these motherfuckers and they gonna like me whether they want to or not and joe ball was like fuck yeah baby big minnie and joe ball's relationship would last roughly about three years as uh, Joe began seeing barmaid Dolores, aka Buddy Goodwin, who was 15 years his junior and immediately began an affair with her in 1937. Big Minnie became aware of the affair and wrote Joe a letter stating that she would see that he and Dolores would not get together and knew certain quote unquote things. And even though writing this letter would cause her to be in danger, she didn't care. I'm telling you, she's a boss ass bitch. She didn't give a fuck. So Big Minnie at the time was pregnant with Joe's child. By the end of the summer of 1937, Big Minnie was gone. She had left all her clothes behind and seemed to have left in a hurry. Hmm. 
They don't say. Anyone who asked Joe Ball about Big Minnie would say that Big Minnie left him for an African-American man and went to Corpus Christi to give birth to what he would refer to as her N-word baby fucker. <laughs> Joe Ball was telling half the truth with that story. Big Minnie was in Corpus Christi, but she was buried 13 feet below the sand naked with a bullet hole in her head. But now, since he got rid of Big Minnie, he's like, fuck you, Big Minnie. I am going to hook up with Dolores, aka Buddy. So within a few months from Big Minnie's disappearance, Joe Ball felt confident enough to tell Buddy that he had taken Minnie to the beach and killed her. That way she wouldn't make any more trouble for them. Although Buddy didn't believe Ball's story, she would eventually tell another waitress that worked at the bar named Hazel Shatsy Brown about Minnie's death. Buddy would tell her a couple times actually. Probably bring it up in every other conversation. Like, hey, Big Minnie's dead. Joe Ball killed her. And Shotzi would probably be like, what? What the fuck? Why the fuck are you telling me this? I don't give a shit. So on January 1938, Buddy's left arm was amputated off due to a horrible car accident. Of course, many rumors and stories were spread around Elmendorf about how Joe Ball's crazed alligators had torn off her arm or that Joe Ball cut it off himself and fed it to the alligators. On April of 1938, Buddy would suddenly disappear and no one hears from her again. Hmm, wonder where she went. Did she really go somewhere? Who knows? I sure don't. Hazel Shatsy Brown was the other waitress that worked at the sociable inn with Buddy and Minnie. Shatsy was 21 years old at the time she was working at the bar. And once again, Joe Ball was like, I'm right, gonna head in. Why not? You know, I already got rid of two women. What's one more? So Shatsy had already been married and divorced before and had a son who was being raised by her parents. Her husband was a first cousin, gotta love that incest, who moved in with her family after his family put him out following legal troubles. At 15, Shatsy had a shotgun wedding and a baby boy at the same time. Her husband slash cousin was 14 years her senior. Nay, nay, that's some fucking weird ass shit. Shatsy eventually wanted to start fresh and get away from that life. Unfortunately, she would end up in a love triangle with murder. While working at the saloon, Shatsy meets a man with a job and a home. This man offered a life away from Joe Ball and the bar, so she decides to tell Joe Ball she was leaving. And he was like, fuck no, ho. You ain't going nowhere. So Shatsy trying to get away from Joe Ball and the saloon, decided to tell Joe that she knew about the murder of Big Minnie and would tell everyone if Joe didn't let her go. Well, that ended up fucking her over because eventually Shatsy would disappear as well. We do have to remember that this is the early 1900s. News traveled probably slow as shit. So Big Minnie's family had no contact with her and when they were not able to locate her, decided to involve police. Police questioned Joe, but gave police the same story about Big Minnie running off with another man. Shortly after that questioning, another family of another employee contacted police as well. This was for 23-year-old Julia Turner, who had been missing and not contacted her parents for quite some time. She was only 
apparently a part-time employee at the saloon. When Joe Ball was questioned, he told police that she had issues with her roommate and wanted to leave. Joe lent her $500 and never heard from her again. Of course, with no evidence, police let Joe Ball free once again. Within the next few months, two more employees and a local boy who frequently went to the saloon were all reported missing. Police began to puzzle the pieces together and were certain that Joe Ball was behind the disappearances and had something to hide. But they didn't have a leg to stand on. On September 23, 1938, an old man had reported to Bear County Deputy Sheriff John Gray about a foul-smelling barrel covered in flies that Joe Ball had left behind his sister's barn. He described the smell as if something was dead inside. John Gray and John Clevenhagen, sorry if I mispronounced that, were sent to investigate. They went into the barn, but the barrel was already gone. Police did talk to Joe Ball's sister and mentioned the same barrel that the old man had reported. So their story matched and that was confirmation that Joe did have a barrel that he placed in his sister's barn. When they couldn't find Joe or the barrel, they decided to drive to the bar the next day and talk to Joe. When they arrived, they informed Joe that they would be taking him to San Antonio for questioning. Joe Ball then asked if they could wait while he locked up the bar. Both Johns agreed and Joe poured himself a beer. As Joe was taking sips, he began to walk over his cash register, rang in a no sale, and as the drawer opened, he grabbed his .45 caliber pistol from within. He waved the gun at police and before they could take their weapons out, Joe Ball fired one gunshot and the bullet went directly into his heart. Joe Ball fell dead on the barroom floor and died by suicide on September 24, 1938. Four other deputies arrived at the saloon and checked the gators in their pond, which was surrounded by rotting meat. They found an axe matted with blood and hair, and that's when police theorized that Joe Ball had killed and mutilated his wife and other victims and fed them to the alligators. The hair and blood was a fucking human. I was there. I time-traveled back. All these fucking murders, and no one knows anything except for good old Clifton Wheeler. So police eventually took Clifton to San Antonio, where he would tell police everything. I mean, he spilled the fucking tea and it was hot. So starting with Big Mini, Joe told Clifton to pack the Model A coupe and be sure to take plenty of whiskey and beer. Joe then took Big Mini and Clifton to Ingleside near Corpus Christi, found a secluded area, and after a little swimming and a lot of drinking, asked Big Minnie to take her clothes off. Clifton, at this point, made himself invisible, it seems like, but when Joe asked Clifton to get more whiskey, he noticed Joe had his pistol by his side. Joe Ball pointed off in the distance, and when Big Minnie turned her head to look, shot her in the temple. Clifton was shocked, but Joe told him he had no choice. She was pregnant, and at the time, Joe was seeing Buddy. Clifton and Joe buried her in the sand and proceeded to drive back to Elmendorf. How the fuck would you feel if you were Clifton right now? Like, you just witnessed a murder. You have to get back in the car with this dude? <laughs> and drive, like, two hours 
an hour and a half? Fuck no, I'd be terrified. I mean, I'd still get in the car because shit, I'm just trying to go back home, but I'd be like, fuck man, I'm gonna die. I'm gonna die up in here. So police drove to Ingleside, took heavy machinery, hired local laborers and others, and began trying to dig up Big Minnie's body. Finally, on October 14th, police were able to find the remains of Big Minnie well-preserved in the deep cold sand. Buddy, fortunately, was located alive and well. She had taken off to California at the request of her pregnant sister at the time. Police were able to locate her in a California jail serving 15 days for drunkenness and vagrancy. Clevenhagen and Gray actually brought her to San Antonio, and on the way back, they stopped in Phoenix because they found one of the women listed as missing from the saloon. Buddy later said that Clifton told her that on her last night on Earth, Shatsy, who didn't know Buddy was in California, had accused Ball of killing her just as he did with Big Minnie. Shatsy badgered Joe until he got angry and eventually hit her with his pistol and killed her. Quote, he shot her too, just to make sure, unquote just to make sure she was dead. So Clifton then led police to Hazel Shatsy Brown. Shatsy was found dismembered and buried on the banks of the San Antonio River. It was Shatsy's body that was in the barrel sinking up the barn. Clifton says that Joe shot the pretty young barmaid because she wanted to leave him and said that she knew about Big Minnie's murder and would tell police. Clifton also said that Joe forced him to help haul the barrel to a secluded spot along the riverbank. Together, they cut up the body with an axe and buried her remains through the head and her clothes on a campfire. At first, Clifton did not want to be a part of the dismemberment, but seeing Joe frustrated when one of her hands got in the way of sawing off her head, eventually gave in and helped by holding her arms and legs while Joe sawed. Rumors eventually spread that Joe Ball killed an estimate of 20 victims. Police did question Clifton about other women and found a packet of letters as well as a scrapbook with photos of dozens of women, but it doesn't say if it led them to any other victims or not. I'm assuming no because it would have been reported. Man, imagine finding your photo on that fucking scrapbook. Like if they release it and then you're like, what the fuck, bro? Like my photo's on there. Yeah, no, I'd be terrified. No, eventually, the alligators went to the San Antonio Zoo and Clifton Wheeler received two years in jail as an accessory. He got out and opened his own saloon in town, but soon vanished and was never heard from again. The Sociable Inn now is a private home and, well, of course, I'm sure it has been remodeled. You know, you're meeting someone for the first time, right? And they're like, oh yeah, where do you live? And they're like, oh, well, you know, I live in Elmendorf. And then they're like, damn, I know Elmendorf, it's the alligator man story. And they're like, yeah, they had like a bar or something. And then you're like, yeah, I live there. And they're like, what the fuck? That was a dumb conversation. Oh man, I wonder if they see like spirits and stuff. That'd be kind of cool. Anyways, I'm getting off topic here. Um, There are films inspired by the alligator man called Eaten Alive by Toby Hooper. The film features a man named Judd, a serial killer who runs a hotel and disposes of his victims' bodies by feeding them to a Nile crocodile. Joe Ball was also referenced in Bones in the fifth episode of season eight, titled The Method and the Madness. And that, my friends, was the story of the alligator man in Elmendorf. 
I know the first two episodes were of true crime, so I wanted to go ahead and give you guys a folktale story. Let me know in the comment section below what you guys want to listen to. I'm totally up for suggestions. Whatever you guys want to listen to, I got you. Thank you so much, everyone. Like I said, my name is Donna, and this has been the Texocity series presented by the 210 Culture Podcast. I am saying that now because I forgot to plug it in in the beginning. And be sure to subscribe to 210 Culture on YouTube and be put on notifications so that you're aware of our latest episode. Might never know because October is coming up, so maybe I'll upload more. Who knows? This has been the Texocity series, so I'll see you guys next time. Bye.